0: Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ
1: long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist
0: to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show.
2: telling you tonight is going to be off the chart my guest is lydia merrill of vanguard ministries and guys uh it's going to be awesome so you want to invite your friends well guys i want to just say thank you so much for being part of the kingdom community if you are not yet familiar with the kingdom community well i want to encourage you to check out our website it's kingdomcommunity.global kingdomcommunity.global you can head over there and just uh, check out everything. Look, if you're looking for a spiritual family, if you're looking for training, equipping, connection, relationship, community, man, we are kingdom, we're community. It's not about denomination or an organization. We celebrate you. Our vision is to connect, to equip, and to see you sent out to fulfill your calling and purpose and advance the kingdom of God. So check out the Kingdom Community. We've got uh, free courses happening. The Soteria School, you can head over to awakenations.org forward slash Soteria or kingdomcommunity.global forward slash Soteria, S-O-T-E-R-I-A for those who are listening to the audio and sign up for the free training that we offer. And uh, I know you'll, you'll be blessed by it as we talk about seeing the captive set free. Healing the sick, casting out demons. Come on now. There's not a lot of talk about that these days. But thank God for those who are are laying hold of this, particularly the younger generation. It seems like getting a hold of the gospel, the kingdom again, seeing what Jesus said come to pass in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. Right. As you go preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons. Right. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead freely, you've received freely, give. So it's an awesome time. So guys, thank you so much for being part of the broadcast. We really love and appreciate you. And as I mentioned, Lydia Merrill is my guest tonight. Lydia has been used by the Lord powerfully uh, throughout revivals, had an encounter with God at the Brownsville Revival, and of course was used to lead worship at the Bay of the Holy Spirit outpouring. Now... And her husband Nathan have Vanguard Ministries and they're traveling and bringing the fire of God wherever they go. So I know you're going to enjoy this interview tonight or wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is. So, Lydia, we welcome you. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm glad you agreed to be on the program.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Apostle Glenn. It's an honor to be with you, the kingdom community, tonight. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to do with this broadcast.
2: Amen. Yeah, I'm so excited to be able to, you know, have you on the program because I know your heart. You know, I watched that little video clip, your promo video clip that's on your website, where you talk about Vanguard, the name of your ministry, Vanguard Ministries, and you explain that. It's very powerful. But let's just jump in right there. I mean, let's talk about your ministry right now. We want to certainly hear your journey. Like, how did you go from, you know, the girl who maybe knew the Lord. I don't know when you were young or what, but like for me, it was later in my late teens, but sure. ultimately Vanguard Ministries, this is a new thing for you guys. And so what's Vanguard Ministries all about?
1: You know, I tell you, Apostle Glenn, uh, Vanguard Ministries has been the most extraordinary leap of faith my husband and I have ever taken. Um, it came right out of nowhere for us. I think that we're probably the craziest people that anyone knows because who in the world launches a ministry, a brand new ministry. And I'm talking about from scratch with no financial base whatsoever. Who does that in the middle of a global pandemic? But Nathan and I, when we hear the Holy Ghost, we just jump first and ask questions later. And so, um, basically how that came about was earlier in 2021, um, Um, Toward the end of January, uh, we were just in my husband's office. We'd served with an international ministry that, you know, it, it had been a wonderful season. Praise the Lord for that. But we were just booking flights and hotels. And I say that to say sometimes the Lord just shoots a lightning bolt right into what feels really mundane. I mean, there's no spirituality in booking flights and hotels. It's just what you do when you travel with a ministry and, We didn't anticipate the Lord speaking that day at all. It was not that kind of, we weren't studying. There was no worship music on there. We weren't praying. We were just taking care of the ordinary details. And right in the middle of that moment, the Lord spoke to me. If I've ever heard God in my life, I heard the Lord say, Vanguard. And he said it very forcefully like that. And it hit me so hard. I felt the power of the Holy Ghost right there in that office. And I, I didn't here's the funny part. I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. I didn't know what Vanguard meant. <laughs> but I felt the power of God so strong I started crying. I began to weep right there in, in, in Nathan's office. And he says, you know, my husband, I'm from Georgia, you know, but he's from the United Kingdom. So he goes, What's wrong with you? You know, <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but I just heard the Holy Ghost say Vanguard. He starts crying. He felt the Holy Ghost. He and he said, But what's it mean? That's it. But what is it? Well, we looked it up in the dictionary, the word vanguard, it means the foremost division of the army that advances first. It is the front line. It is the foremost of any military movement that advances forward. This is what it means to be the vanguard. When we begin to study in scripture, we realize in the word of God, it was always Judah that moved first. And I realized that while Judah always attacked first in the the army, Judah was not just a tribe. Judah was also one of the divisions that camped around the tabernacle that consisted of three different tribes. There was the tribe of Judah, which means praise. There was the tribe of Zebulon, which means exalted dwelling. That's what your praise produces. And there was the tribe of Issachar, which means there is a recompense. And right then, I understood that the Lord was giving us a strategy. I am all about, I love the nations. I've spent the last several years of my life with more jet lag than I know what to do with stood in harvest fields around the world. And I praise God for the nations. But in that moment, I realized that the Lord was giving us a strategy for the USA. And I say that because at some point, you know, we've seen altar calls filled around the world in stadiums, arenas, fields, what have you. and and I praise God for every life that was reached believe me my heart still beats for that I understand it but at some point I looked at my husband and I said we have got to stop seeing this in nations like El Salvador and then coming home to find out that such a spirit of confusion has been released on the United States of America that we no longer know which restroom to go to something is desperately wrong in this nation this nation that used to lead the world in mission sending we used to send missionaries around the world we now have mission Rerouting their entire lives toward the United States because the United States is so bound. So, Vanguard Ministries exist. The Lord dropped this in our spirits. The Lord dropped this on us and it changed our lives forever. We are called to be a holy provocation to provoke the church toward repentance, the church toward revival, and the lost toward repentance. That's what it's all about for us. I do believe that the Lord will send us back to the nations at some point. But I know for this season specifically, the Lord has us contending through praise through creating a dwelling for the Lord through through uh appropriating the recompense for what the enemy has stolen and through yeah. preaching the gospel to the church and to the lost i know that god has positioned us to contend for revival in the united states of
0: america
2: amen amen yeah wow so good you know the whole thing with the pandemic one i remember when when it first happened uh in march of 2020 and how some of the words that were coming out, you know, we're, we had different words. Some people were saying it's mm-hmm. going to be over with by the springtime and <laughs> and so on. And here we are two years almost later. Can you and, believe it? Yeah. And the cases, the, you know, are high. And so we don't know. We don't know what lies ahead for us and um, the world, you know. And But we are in a time clearly of darkness. And um, we see that in Isaiah 60, it talks about... Darkness covering the earth and deep darkness the people. But the answer, of course, is found in the same verse. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And I think one of the reasons why, well, you just think about it in in Ephesians, Paul talks about whatever um, is made manifest is made manifest by light, and light dispels Mm -hmm. the darkness. And so darkness cannot coexist with light. So if the darkness is increasing Mm -hmm. in a region, then clearly the the uh, antidote to that, the way to overcome that is the increasing the light. Mm-hmm. And we we read, interestingly, in the book of Acts, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. We love that. But also, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, mm-hmm. men will be lovers of themselves. That's and right. he mentioned all these things. But then he said in verse 5, they'll have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. That's right. So, when you talk when you said i know you said well repentance to the church <laughs> i yeah. mean re- revival to the church repentance but there is truth to the need for the church to repent as well That's right.
1: That's and- exactly right. what Jesus himself said To five out of the seven churches that he addressed in Revelation, he said, if you don't repent, I will remove your candlestick. In other words, I will cause you to no longer be a church or a movement. I believe that the church in the Western world, not just the United States, but surely, surely we're the worst at this point. I believe that the church is so backslidden, so interested in being relevant to a world that is confused by our message, because frankly, we're not saying anything. We have. There is nothing to distinguish the church of the Western world as supernatural. We want to be appealing. We want to make sure we preach in the right sneakers. We want to make sure that we've got the right light show and that we've got the right uh, songs being sung. And heaven forbid we preach more than 40 minutes. Someone told me that the millennials will not listen if you preach more than 25 minutes. I said that millennials invented binge watching. They'll sit there for six hours if they think you have right. something to say. The fact is, because we have have a form of godliness. I I believe that that is seeker sensitivism, if I could be that blunt. I believe that we have tried so hard to appeal to the fleshly standards of this world that we excuse the Holy Spirit. We thought that he'd be too offensive for the common people coming in. And I believe that, that, that Jesus is calling out to the Western church to repent, to enthrone the Holy Spirit back in his rightful place, not on some back room on a Wednesday night, but on Sunday morning, if we're not offering them the the supernatural third person of the Godhead. We are absolutely wasting our time. We have got to see a book of Acts. When I talk about revival, I'm talking about a, a church returning to the fullness of what we see in the book of Acts signs, wonders, miracles, mass salvations. There is nothing to suggest that the God that does these things in Africa cannot do these things in the United States. We've just been too lazy to preach Him. As that, as that powerful and as that available. If if we would clear the agenda in the Western church, we would surely see a mighty move of God.
2: Amen. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. So let's let's just talk about what you guys are seeing as you're traveling, you know, and Vanguard ministries here in the United States. What's the Lord been doing?
1: I, can't, I Listen, my granddaddy used to sing a song when I was a little girl. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. Man. I tell you, it has been an unbelievable journey. We launched Vanguard Ministries on July the 1st, 2021. So we are only a few months old as a ministry, wow. uh, kind of getting our legs up under us. But I tell you, Uh, what I've noticed is that as we stepped out in radical faith, God has honored that. Um, I feel a sense as much as I have to call for repentance in the Western church, My husband and I talk about this all the time. We are so encouraged by how many pastors in the United States and in the Western world are calling for extra prayer meetings because we know that biblically there is no such thing as a revival that was not birthed in prayer. I'd like to say that really, I want to say that one more time for anyone who's watching around the world, whether you're in the U S or whether you're watching in the nations as a part of kingdom community, please hear me, friend. You cannot have revival apart from prayer. So whatever we have valued as more important than prayer is actually replacing the revival we say we want. So we have noticed that there's a grassroots movement. It's frequently not in the bigger churches. I wish it was, but I don't see that as much. But in in churches that most people have never heard of, there are remnant people that are bombarding the altars and salting those carpets with their tears, crying out for move of God. They're calling for fasting. They're contending for miracles. And here's the thing, God is beginning to do it. uh, We're beginning to get reports of churches that, you know, they'll call us after the fact we've been there and they call us down the road. Well, so-and-so just got delivered. We're seeing miracles. People are going out and telling about Jesus. It's beginning to happen. And even when we've been in the meetings, You know, I'm not somebody that claims to have a gift of healing. If I'm honest, I I really don't believe that I do. I think I'm just a normal believer. But we know that Jesus said these signs follow those who believe they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover and they shall cast out devils. That's that's for entry level Christianity. It's not for special people or healing ministers or deliverance ministers. I honestly think if you said that to the brothers in the early church, they'd wonder what you were talking about ministers are supposed to be used in healing and deliverance. There are no healing or deliverance ministers. But we have been seeing two very extraordinary markers. You're probably going to get some emails from this broadcast, Brother McGlynn. I don't know what to tell you. But that we've been seeing two extraordinary markers as we travel all over the United States. And I do mean all over. These are the things that we're noticing. First of all, we're noticing a major surge in deliverance. Yeah. a major surge in deliverance. Yeah. And usually we're finding that the people who are being delivered have been sat on the pews or chairs or whatever there are yeah. for quite some time. Right, So that tells me that, that the enemy has had people planted in churches and it tells me that as the presence of the Lord not, uh, not Vanguard Ministries as Jesus has been showing up what it tells me is the presence of Jesus is provoking those spirits to manifest so these people can be set free so we praise God for that another thing we've been seeing a lot of lately we've been seeing we always have seen powerful miracles but there's been an increase in how much how many miracles we've been seeing and one of the main Keys for that for us has been to teach the people how to lay hands on their own selves. We'll call for the Holy Spirit. I say, everybody that's got something wrong in your body, whatever your condition is, whether it's COVID or a normal cold, whether it's cancer or you've got arthritis, it does not matter. If you got something up in your body, I want you to raise your hand. If you got something wrong, raise your hand. We release the healing virtue of Jesus and rebuke sickness and disease, command it to go. And then I tell them, I want you to lay your hand on your own body. And command sickness, disease, pain, whatever it is, to go in Jesus' name. Don't you ask Jesus to do it. You command that thing to go. It is illegal in your body as a child of God. So you command it to go. We've been seeing miracles like crazy, including we just saw a lady just the other day, just a couple months back in Indiana. She came to church on, I believe it was a Sunday night. She had a broken foot that was broken in several different places. It was wrapped up and it was in a boot. She took the boot off. She took the wrap off. And she started going uh, laps all over the church platform, had to climb stairs to do it, which is something she never would have been able to do with broken bones. Jesus healed her. And I never laid hands on her to pray for her healing. She prayed for her own healing. We saw another lady in South Carolina who had had a traumatic injury when she was a little girl the bones of her ankle had fused together and she could not rotate her, her foot. And in the moment uh, down in the altar, praying with her, I felt in my spirit, this is not what you think it is trauma. Uh, So I said, I rebuke that trauma off of you from when that injury occurred. The power of God hit that young lady. And when I left, she was rotating her ankle all over the place going, I haven't been able to do this since I was a little girl. And she was at least in her late 20s. So we just praise God. We've been seeing bones begin to heal. This is becoming a very normal thing. God is just doing what the word of God says that he does. I think sometimes that radical faith is actually just simply taking hold of the word and saying, this applies right here, right now, no matter what my situation is. So we praise God for what he's been doing at Vanguard. It's been an amazing few months.
2: That's awesome. So good that you guys, you know, were obedient to the Lord and you stepped out. And it's interesting. The Lord has his way in terms of launching people out. And I was uh, talking with someone earlier and we were looking at the scripture in Luke 10, where Jesus said that it says that he sent out the 70, (laughs) but then he said, look, there's basically still not enough. <laughs> so pray yeah. that the Lord of the harvest would send forth more labors. And the word he used there is ekbala, which means to send out forcefully. And really, that's what I see happening in this season. Yeah. God is doing something powerful. I see, you know, millennials and, and young millennials in particular yeah. that are being raised up to um, manifest and de- to demonstrate the power of God, deliverance, as you mentioned, uh, healing, miracles, all That's those true. things. You know, I think we're almost getting to the place where we're starting to see normal Christianity in some places in the Praise world. God. <laughs> and when you God. read it, the book of Acts, you know, I remember Charles Finney said in one of his writings, he said a revival presupposes a declension, which basically means <clears throat> something needs revived. What does that say? Right? So right. if we need revival, then we we need resuscitated there's something in us sure. you know but so this is awesome now let's just go back to the earlier days we all have a story about our journey you know often i i'll say that when god uses someone the more powerfully he uses someone often the more profound and even sometimes is painful, the preparation process. Yeah. Um, what What's your story? How did you move to the place that you, what you and Nathan are doing now with Vanguard Ministries?
1: Wow. My story is um, kind of long, so I will do my best not to go too crazy, but my story, uh, I am originally from Augusta, Georgia, and the only two reasons anybody knows where Augusta, Georgia is, is either you're a fan of golf and you like to watch the Masters Golf Tournament, or you like to hear James Brown sing, and so there you go. I feel good, praise God. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no other real reason to pay any attention to Augusta. It's a wonderful place to grow up. Um, I grew up in the wrong neighborhood. I grew up in a crack neighborhood. My Mm -hmm. granddaddy's church was two blocks from our house. And I had no earthly idea that there were churches that were not interracial. Our church was very, very integrated. Um, that I mean, we some of my most precious friendships and mentoring moments growing up were from people of different ethnicities than myself. I know that I'm so white, I glow in the dark, but we grew up listening to the West Angeles Church of God in Christ because it was so integrated. Um, we, in those moments, I didn't know that it was not normal for drunk people to stagger in off the street. My granddaddy would pray for them, rebuke that spirit of addiction. They'd get saved. They'd get delivered. They'd leave sober and speaking in a heavenly language. It was, that was how it was. My grandfather was a man who was, apostolic before people were very comfortable calling people an apostle to be very fair. Okay. Um, in fact, to be truthful, he didn't really like people calling him pastor. He'd just say, you can call me brother more. I'm your brother in Christ. You don't have to worry about that. That was just the way he was. He was a good old Southern gentleman. I can remember walking in to the den at my grandparents' house in the mornings and seeing him in his little old man pajamas and his hair still sticking up and have a cup of coffee in his right hand and praying in the Holy Ghost and the power of God in that room. The air would be thick with God's presence. And I can remember every Friday he had uh, the Friday noon prayer, healing and miracle service. And right there on Fenwick Street in Augusta, Georgia, miracles would just flow like it was just normal for him. I wish I could say that the rest of us had been like that, but I don't know where the disconnect came. But somewhere along the line, we became very religious. My granddaddy didn't, he stayed very steady. His walk with God was the steadiest I have ever seen of any person in my life. He was not a perfect man. Of course he was not, but his walk with the Lord was so very steady. It's still, And that prayer life is something that provokes me today. But my family, my church, we became very religious. I am third generation Pentecostal on both sides of my family. I'm third generation Pentecostal preacher on my mom's side of the family. So, I mean, I suppose the crazy runs deep in a lot of ways, but we Mm -hmm. got into a religious rut. Now, that's the kind of thing. Apostle Glenn, people love to throw around the word religion, you're being religious. I want to give a definition for that. My definition for that, religion is when you think you know how to have church apart from the Holy Ghost, or you know how to do your life apart from the Holy Ghost. It's when you can see fit to punch your God card on a Sunday morning and live however you want to Monday through Saturday, as long as you did your duty on a Sunday morning. Religion is when you try to do this life or church me readings or anything else apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus rebuked that lifestyle in John 15 when he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if the church really believed that religion would not exist. So we became very religious. We knew what songs were going to be sung. I remember when I was a kid, we, we knew what songs were going to be sung. I knew who was going to pray, when they were going to pray. If somebody was going to give a message in tongues and interpretation, I could tell you within two people who was going to do the tongues and and who was going to interpret. I knew who was going to preach. I knew how long they were going to preach. I knew whether or not it would be boring. I knew whether or not it might have a little bit of interest. I knew that the prayer uh, the prayer time, the altar time, nobody was going to get saved. Forget it. But you might have some people pray for a few minutes and then get up and leave so we could all go out to eat. Nothing of substance was going to happen. And then we were going to come back at 6 o'clock on a Sunday evening to do it again. And I never could figure out why we were doing that. Why can't we watch football? What is wrong with this picture? This is the most it was it was so boring it felt like it felt like we were getting nothing done we're spinning our wheels and that is one of the ways that I learned that religion the religious spirit one of the number one things that it will do is it will bore you to tears there is nothing about the book of acts that is boring there is nothing about revival lifestyle that is boring it is you only become bored when you have become religious we were so bored Also, I want to say this. Just before the Lord brought us to a point where he was going to radically, completely change our lives, just before the summer before, about five young ladies in our church became pregnant out of wedlock. I want to be careful. We're live on Facebook, and we love everybody. My dad, the pastors of the church, did everything they could with those ladies. Nobody was was. Treated wrongly or unfairly, everyone was pastored and helped and shepherded and brought back in. So I'm not making, I don't want anyone to feel bad for anything. What I am saying is this, if your youth group is about 60 people and you have five unwed couples heaven babies there is sin in the camp that's a problem and that's how i learned that the second thing a religious spirit will do will cover up for corruption and per- per- perversion it will do that every time it puts on a great front all of these people were singing all the songs praying the prayers giving their two dollar offering and listening to the preacher but nothing was taking root that's what it means to be religious Uh My dad was so burned out. He was my grandfather. So my grandfather on my mom's side, my dad's father-in-law was his spiritual father, but he was feeling so burnt out. Okay. Had just come through a building program at the church was dealing with all of this stuff, drama in the youth group, a lot of stuff going on Hmm. just burned out. And I remember him saying, I'm so sick of preaching Jesus and nobody getting saved. I'm done with it. I can't. Yeah. So right along that time period, a friend of his, a pastor called him and said, man, you have got to go to Pensacola, Florida to the Brownsville revival. Dad okay. said, what's that? Okay. I mean, cause in our frame of mind, a revival was a series of meetings. It was going to be a three-day series of meetings right. or a five-day series of meetings. If you really wanted to get on fire, it might be seven days. But mm-hmm. it was not going to last more than that. Now, I mean, come on. You're just pushing it now. Nobody's going to come out for more than that. That's what we thought revival was. This guy said, man, this revival has been going on for months and months. And he said, you've got to get down there. He said, people are falling out like flies and shaking under the power of God. And my daddy said, I would not cross the street to see that. Wow. Because my granddaddy raised him, and this is a, I'm, people don't like it when I tell that part of the story. Physical manifestations just don't matter. Sometimes your body reacts in interesting ways to the yeah. presence of the Lord, and none of that matters. It's all about how you walk when you come down out of that experience. He said, right. I wouldn't cross the street to see that. And this pastor friend said, Bro, I'm telling you, you've got to go. He said, The revival started in June of 1995. When they were talking, it was like February.
2: Okay. He said,
1: 5,000 people have gotten saved in just these few months. And my dad said, now this I've got to see. Wow. So we loaded up into our Ford Aerostar van and (laughs) down we went to Pensacola from Augusta, Georgia to Pensacola, Florida. One way is a 500 mile trip. And I just want to say a lot of people have been impressed with that over the years that we did that. I just want to say hunger will move you if you say you're hungry for God, but you don't want to go to a meeting because it's an hour and a half away. You're not hungry enough yet, honey. You need to press in until you get really hungry, hungry. If you starve to death when you know where the bread was, it's your fault. Not the person that put the bread on the table. You've got to let it move you to a place where you can encounter the Lord. So we drove down to Brownsville and I can still remember I was 12, I was just about to have my 12th birthday. So I'm 11 years old, about to turn 12. My little brother had just turned eight. And uh, it's mom and dad and me and my little brother, Philip. We pull into the parking lot at Brownsville and you could feel on the parking lot. You could feel something's wow. different here. I mean, for one thing, in Pensacola, when it's 30 degrees, the, it's a seaside town. The wind is still blowing and it is still 100 percent humidity. So it's cold outside and people are lined up to go to church. i had never seen that in my life. People mm-hmm. are lined up to go to church in a bad neighborhood. This was a te- Brownsville is a terrible neighborhood. It was it was filled with prostitutes and 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 crack uh, you know drug dealers and, and people are lined up in a bad neighborhood in the cold to go to church. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> we we get in the building, the building would fill up in 60 seconds. It was unbelievable watching that kind of thing happen. We get our seats, we're waiting for church to start. We feel the presence of the Lord uh even, even before the service could even start, the choir comes in, half the choir is under the power of God. And I'm just sitting there going, what in the world? I remember one lady, her head was shaking violently. Her neck was turning so fast. I don't know if I could even mimic that. And I certainly couldn't do it for any length of time, but her (laughs) neck shook that whole night long. It never stopped. And I asked my dad, I was just a little girl. I said, daddy, what's going on with that lady? Why is her head shaking? He said, don't you make fun of her. She has epilepsy. Um. And I said the lady in front of us goes. Pfft. And she turns around laughing. She looks at my dad and she said, Sir, I don't mean to correct you in front of your daughter, but that lady does not have epilepsy. Wow. She is under the power of God right now. That's nothing to do with a disease. She's shaking under the power of God. Dad goes, OK, because he had seen that sort of thing growing up. I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, Jesus is shaking people's eyeballs out. What is this? <laughs> and I found out later that what it was is that lady had been in a terrible car accident in her neck. She had very little mobility in her neck. But when the power of God broke out, the Lord healed her neck And did it so severely that the shaking of her neck was a sign of the power of God to heal. As the night wore on, I could tell you story after story just on that one night. But I'll try to get to the moment (laughs) of truth, really. But uh, Pastor, you know, Evangelist Steve Hill, he preached a powerful message. The conviction of the Lord was so strong in the room. There's nobody like Steve Hill. I've never known an evangelist like him. I miss his voice. He's been in heaven now since 2013. But I miss his voice. Truly never known another evangelist like him. He preached that gospel and we saw what we had never seen before. At least a thousand people that night dove into the altar and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We'd never, I'd never seen more than a few people get saved (sighs) at a time. That many people got, I mean, you could feel God all over the room. It was amazing. Yeah. But by now. And
2: I just wanted to say like to people that are maybe, they don't remember it and then maybe they're younger. Absolutely. Guys. It was phenomenal. I know personally, yeah. like people, their kids mm-hmm. were messed up, like as far away as New York, Chicago, places like that. And they heard about it and they be like, OK, you're going down there. Yeah. And I saw some of these guys when they came back,
1: Oh yeah. they were
2: transformed and on fire for God. Absolutely. Know, the fruit was amazing. Yeah.
1: There absolutely it was, and honestly, if you're watching right now, wherever you're watching from around the world, I encourage you YouTube this. Look yeah. up the Browns' revival. There's a lot of videos there. God will touch you right now. I, I watch them sometimes so that my little boys, uh, who are five and three, will know what happened to Mama when I was a little girl. I want them to feel what I felt then, um, and right. it's still very available. But at the point after the after the altar call was given, yeah. I mean, it was probably approaching. 10:30 at night. This service has been going on for quite some time and you yeah. know, my mom is looking at my dad. She's got an 11-year-old, nearly 12. She's got an 8-year-old. My little brother was like done. He's ready to go back to the hotel, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Steve Hill said, "I want to pray for everyone of our first-time guests that wants prayer. We want to pray for a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost on your life." And mom said, "Baxter, why don't you go down and get prayer and I'll stay here with the kids cuz they're they're done, you know." And uh, my dad took three steps down the aisle. He said, all right, took three steps down the aisle. And all, all of a sudden, I never can tell the story without losing it. I'm sorry. All of a sudden, he turned around. He spun on his heel. And he said, no, we came as a family and we're getting prayer as a family. Wow. Awesome. And we went into that altar, and Steve Hill called us out. There had to be hundreds of people in that altar. He called us out. He didn't know who we were. Nobody knew who we were. Uh, John Kilpatrick had known my grandfather, but he did not know any of us at all. Nobody in the church knew us. Steve Hill looks at my dad and said, Sir, the anointing is raining all over you and your family. And my dad just goes, Okay. You know, and I mean, I'm going, Oh, my goodness, the crazy guy's yelling at us now. This is nuts, you know. Steve turned around again and he goes, no, I said, it's raining. He came flying off that platform. This was March of 1996. Mm. And he says to me, he grabbed my face in his hands. He said, sis, the anointing is all over you and it's what's going to carry you through. Mm. That night, my dad and I, we were both down under the power. My mom and my brother did not fall down. And I said earlier that that doesn't matter. And let me prove it. My brother starts grabbing my mom's jacket and going, mom, mama. Mama. And she goes, son, be quiet. I'm trying to pray. Mama, mama, son, I'm praying, you know. And Finally, mama. And she goes, what? And he said, mom, there's this golden rain. He said, what is going on in this church? There is golden rain falling all over this church. And Jesus is standing right over there and he's smiling and waving at us. What is happening in this church? And my mom wow. said, I don't know. And that is how we encountered Jesus at the Brownsboro Bible. That was March of 1996. and, And right now, in January of 22, let me just say this, we have never found a way to be normal again. We were radically, completely transformed from being religious to from being bored, from just doing the church as usual punch your God card, but yet your life is still so messed up and empty. We went from so, so empty to being overflowingly full, just like Jesus said in the book of John, out of your belly will flow rivers of living. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I believe God is beginning to touch people. Watching this broadcast right now, there's people dry, there are people hungry and burned out in the ministry and I feel the Holy Spirit saying to you, if you will just come and take a drink, let me touch you. Friend, let me tell you, right now where you are, He can touch you right now in your home, in your car, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching, He can touch you right now. Just let him do it right now in the name of Jesus. And you'll never be the same.
2: Amen. Man. Thank you. And you know what, Lydia, there's, I just read a statistic. It was um, in 2020, but I think it was Barna research group did this study. And they said that 15,000 pastors left the ministry wow. and 4,000 churches shut down in America, just in America Wow. in 2020. And you know, the truth is, religion Jesus talked about that right it's like yeah. he said come to me and he said yeah. you are heavy burdened You're, he said my yoke is easy right my my burden is light and his way when we come to rest in him is so different like you mentioned your dad daddy being burned out i mean man when we don't have the power and the anointing of the holy spirit yeah. We can do all the things we need to do. Well, you need to take a day off. Well, yeah, of course, that's good. But, well, you need to make sure you do this or you do that. But there's a place in God that's right. spiritually where we enter rest. And yeah. we know his joy and his peace. And we are protected. And And that's the life of God. So let's continue the conversation. What happens after that? You, you're you young, like, what, 11, 12 years old, something like that's that? That's right. That's yeah. right. So what what happens next? How does... Lydia. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> it, it was it was such a journey. I feel like one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was that my grandparents and my parents didn't wait for me to grow up mm. to let the call of God manifest. I, I feel like um, that is one of the great disadvantages in the churches of the Western world right now is we want polished communicators and worship leaders and what mm. have you. And we Honestly, we've got to allow people to grow in the kingdom. This is a family. It's not a business. This is a family. It's not a circus. This is a family. It is not a machine. And I've heard people refer to ministry as a machine. If you think of ministry in that context, I beg of you, repent. Ministry is about serving people. It's not about a machine. And one of the profound things that happened as a result of our encounter with the Lord in the altars of Brownsville in March of '96. Growing up in that religious atmosphere, I was very, very bound by fear. I was uh, completely, most of the people in my family, in fact, all of the people in my family, uh, they sing, they lead worship, they preach, they prophesy. You hand a mic around, nobody has a problem grabbing it. It's, It's just the way it was. But I remember I was so bound. But what I found out later was a generational spirit of fear. I can remember before Brownsville, I can remember being in my bedroom as a young girl and I I would feel the Lord come upon me, but I was so completely petrified. I knew that if I yielded to that call that I was going to have to get up in front of people and I had the most chronic stage fright, I could not do it. And I would tell the Lord in my bedroom, I would say, I know you've called me and I know you've got your hand on me, but I cannot do this. I don't want you to take it hand off me, but I can't do this. When I got up off the carpet at Brownsville, when I was down under the power of God on that floor, I did not really want to be. And I strained every muscle in my body trying to get up, but the weighty glory of the Lord was on me so strong. I could not get up. And my mom leaned over and said, you know, if you just let the Lord touch you, you'd feel better. And I just, I remember laying back on that floor and yielding to the Lord. And when I got up, I I cannot tell you, it was like someone had done surgery on me and what they did was they extracted the fear. I know that the Lord removed fear off of my life. If you had asked my family and people that had grown up with me to that point, what's Lydia gonna be when she grows up? I mean, I was fine one-on-one but hand me a mic, put me on a platform and I'm not going to make it. I was, there there was no chance that I, and if you you took some of those same people, in fact, to be honest with you, some of those same people have been in meetings where I was preaching or leading worship, come up to me crying afterward and go, oh my gosh, what happened to you? And I'm like, when Jesus sets you free, there's not a limit on that. So really what began to happen from the moment I got up off that floor, I came up leading worship, preaching and prophesying. It was just the normal thing from, That day forward, it would only be a couple of months after that that we would testify at Brownsville about what the Lord had begun to do in our church. And I actually, I mean, I'm talking about a little girl that was bound by fear. I ran up onto the platform just about a week before I would turn 12. And that's how I met John Kilpatrick. I stormed the platform while my parents testified uh, about okay. what God was doing in our church. It, and I mean, that was so uncharacteristic of me at that time. I mean, now it's no big deal, I guess. But back in those days, it was never going to happen. And when the Lord went that night after after we had testified of the goodness of the Lord and what he was doing in our church result, as a result of the arrival. Pastor Kilpatrick and evangelist Steve Hill came over and prayed for our family. And down we went under the power of God on that platform. And as I was on that platform, Lyndall Cooley and the worship team began to sing. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to preach good things. He has sent you to the poor to bind up the brokenhearted. They're singing Isaiah 61. I didn't even know that that was Isaiah 61 at that time. What's so bizarre about that is that years later, after growing up in ministry at my parents' church, my grandparents' church, I went to the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. And many of the people that sang over me that night, including Lyndall, were professors in my school of ministry speaking into my life. So I, I very much, uh, I, it doesn't exist anymore, the Browns Revival School of Ministry, but I'm so blessed that I had that season to get to go there and learn from some of these voices that the Lord used in the Brownsville Revival. They really, uh, to borrow a phrase from a mentor of mine, their fingerprints are on my soul. Sure. And yeah. it impacted me tremendously. You know, the, the slogan of the Browns Revival School of Ministry was always spreading the fires of revival to the ends of the earth. And I feel like when you sit under something like that for three and a half years, like I did, I feel like it puts, it it deposits something into your spiritual DNA, really. Yeah. And, and so that that was kind of how that came about. It wasn't too long after coming home from Bible school that John Kilpatrick started Church of His Presence in Daphne, Alabama, and he said, hey baby, why don't you come on down here and be my worship leader? And that wow. sort of set off a whole nother, uh, right. uh series of, of happenings in my life from helping Pastor Kilpatrick plant a church, getting to lead worship at Church of His Presence for all of those years, you know, until one day we had a, a conference in the summer of July, it was July of 2010, and the conference erupted into the bay revival and the rest as they say is history but i'm just i i feel in my in my heart that A lot of people watching Apostle Glenn, I think they think that things like what I've been describing happen to the special people. And the truth of the matter is the same Holy Ghost that arrested me in Pensacola, Florida, that has never let me go all of these years is the same Holy Ghost that wants to touch people watching tonight. You don't have to look. You may not have a revival to get to, but that's okay. You've got the book of Acts and you can pray. That's all you need. Let him touch you tonight. That's, That's what God wants to do is ignite those fires of revival all over the world tonight. I believe that with all my heart.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you had the privilege to be around people that really valued that. You know, it's like Leviticus 6. We were talking about that earlier, uh, how it says the fire in the altar must never go out. Now, when you're in a dry place in a season where seemingly there's not revival in your church, you know, in your city, even maybe even your nation, you know, what's the answer, Lydia? I mean, um we're called to obviously walk in that place where we don't quench the spirit. He just talks about that in First Thessalonians 5, right? So what's the answer? I mean, we're in a different season now. I mean, Brownsville was awesome. Bay of the Holy Spirit is awesome. You know, there's, but we're in a different time right now. And what would you say? You know, I've heard people say, Well, look, man, you know, we're not in a season of revival. Things are different. It'll never be that way again. Um, what's your answer to that?
1: Well, you may not get the Brownsville package again. Right. I don't know that we see a revival that is that locational. Sure. But the early church believers would never understand what you mean when you even use the term revival. Why are we even—because that because there was never supposed to be a waning of the presence of the Lord. To be truthful, um, I, I believe it was A.W. Tozer that said in the early church, 100% of what they did was Holy Spirit dependent. And if he had removed the sense of his presence from what they were doing— Everyone would have noticed it and moved to do something about it immediately. In today's Western churches, about 90% of what we do is on our own. And if the Holy Spirit was to remove the sense of his presence, most people would not notice it. Neither would they do anything about it. The answer to whether or not you're in a revival, you may not get a location to go to. I don't know. That that's depends on where you are, and I can give you that. But I will tell you this. These are days of revival because the Bible says that when Jesus returns, and we know that he is returning soon, he's returning for a bride that is without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing that has made herself ready. So I believe the key to personal revival is we must take personal responsibility to be in revival. In other words, we've become very preacher, minister-dependent, mostly in the Western world, I can appreciate that there may be other nations watching tonight where that's not the case, but in Western Christianity, we become superstar preacher dependent, so if the big boys don't pray for us, we don't feel the Holy Ghost, or if we don't go to the big conference with the shiny lights or whatever, we don't feel like we got the impartation, but these are the days when the bride must make herself ready, and the key really is, you've got to get your prayer life fired up. you pray until you pray. You pray until you feel him. I don't care how long that takes. And I don't care if you have to fold a load. I'm a mother of two children and my husband and I have just launched a ministry. Sometimes when I'm praying, I am folding laundry because I have two little boys and a husband and we can create laundry faster than any family I know. So sometimes I fold laundry and I pray in the Holy Ghost. And I heard my oldest son is Malachi. I heard him tell my youngest son Jeremiah the other day, I was folding laundry, praying in the Holy Ghost. And he looks at Jeremiah and he said, mama speaking French again. I said, you better believe it. Cause when mama speaks French stuff happens, it's time to take personal responsibility for our own walk with God and stop seeking for the next big preacher to lay hands upon you and impart something. No one can impart their walk with God to you. The word allows for the impartation of spiritual gifts, but no one can impart their history with God to you. That is not possible. What we must do if we want to see revival is we've got to begin to pray, ask God for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, and we have to open up our Bibles for ourselves. We have to begin to seek Him in the secret place. When that happens on an individual level with enough people, then they come, those people will be drawn together, and we call that a prayer meeting. And when the prayer meetings increase, then suddenly those will spin off into revival meetings. The problem historically has been that when they spin off into to revival meetings we tend to think that the revival was brought because the preacher came that could not be farther from the truth i honor all the men of god that served at brownsville at the bay i love everybody i mean no disrespect but all of those those moves of god were born in prayer that's what they come from and that's what sustained them and when prayer waned so did the revival and that's the story of every revival we've ever seen so if we want to see revival we've got to stop making excuses for the fact that we don't have a big meeting to go to start with your prayer closet then let that turn into a prayer meeting let that spin off into a revival meeting there is no shortcut if we want revival we've got to fast we've got to pray we've got to seek god's face we've got to allow his spirit to convict our hearts in fact one of the main things that i'm praying right now for my nation and for the nations of the world is for god to unleash what what i believe it was um I can't remember which revivalist said this. I think it might've been Leonard Ravenhill who said, we must have a mighty uh, downpouring of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us because we don't even know how lukewarm we've become. When yeah. we pray, when we fast, when we seek God's face, come together and pray and allow the Holy Spirit to release conviction, we will see revival and awakening on a scale that we've never seen it before. Because even tonight, apostle Glenn, while we're talking, people are watching us from the nations. They're watching us across the United States through the miracle of technology. Well, praise Mm -hmm. God for that. That means that if revival breaks out, all I have to do now is get my cell phone out and broadcast the wonders of the Lord from an app on my phone. We've never had that kind of ease of technology. We are primed for the awakening of the ages if only we will do what the Bible has prescribed. We've got to pray.
2: Absolutely. And you know, it's a lot of what you said. Uh, we are in a different season. Things are different. But one of the things that I believe the Lord is really doing, which it's really a sign of a hallmark of maturity, ultimately, is this whole thing about the whole body of Christ being conformed to the fullness of the stature of Christ. And what we do is individual (coughs) in terms of our calling. So in other words, I really believe, and we've been teaching this a lot in in the kingdom community, is that the next move of God is really going to be about the activation and the maturation of the saints so that it's not just a few people. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that there are those who have, you know, special gifts in that sense and and are called like apostolic ministries is all about going first and bringing things open. But ultimately I think God's doing something different this time. And as you said, it's not necessarily going to be about being in a building anymore. And again, we're not anti church, anti meeting in the building, not at all. But what we're saying is we got to get outside and we got to take it into the workplace, into the schools, into wherever and, and see everybody, out of that place of, of consecration and surrender and repentance right. to God, the fire God burns. Yeah. And so, and, and the cool thing is now through technology, we can reach people, but the point I'm trying to make here is there's no substitute for your personal yeah. consecration and surrender to God and yeah. seeking after God. And when man gets in the way Mm -hmm. that's when the Holy Spirit is grieved. And throughout Scripture, you know, we see that. Don't quench the Spirit's fire. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. All these um, admonitions in the New Testament. So we're living in a different time. And I know you guys are, But you believe, just like we do, that it's very critical that we not only just preach to the lost, and that's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. We need to lift our voice uncompromisingly, and we need to be uh, unabashedly, uh, you know, strong about that. But ultimately, there's a place for equipping, training, activating the saints. What you guys, I, I, you know, I saw on your website, VanguardMinistries.tv, you've got some schools listed there. What, what, are you, What's the schools about?
1: We, you know, Apostle Glenn, it is a passion of our hearts. You know, I I told everyone on this broadcast, I'm third generation on both sides of my family. My husband was also for many years uh, a worship pastor in the United Kingdom. We're passionate about the local church. And for me, uh-huh. I am not ashamed to call my nation, call the church in my nation to repentance. However, right. I don't just want to highlight problems. I would like to offer solutions you know, yeah. and that's a part so of good. our heart at Vanguard Ministries. We want to be a resource to the body of Christ. So in uh, September of 2021, we did our very first e-course. Now we do one e-course per quarter every year, that's that's the way this goes so in 2021 we did our very first one and it was the Judah School of Worship uh-huh. and it's a it was a six week course and we went in depth, we went into original languages, we studied hard, the power of God invaded, one of them turned, to, I'm telling you we had people, we had churches that brought their entire worship team and then some curious folk as well, some churches had over 30 people watching in their churches every Tuesday night and the power uh-huh. of God would break out and people would be crying and repent before the Lord, it was amazing what God did. We had never done that before, but it was super encouraging to us to see people want to get back to the biblical roots of what worship really means. Um, I mean, for one thing, uh, the Hebrew word for worship has nothing in the world to do with music, it was about bowing your whole life to one who is superior. And we learned what surrender really means. Surrender looks not like holding your hands up, but by kneeling before the Lord and saying, You're God, I'm not. We learned the depths of these things, and that was so powerful for us. And so every single quarter, we present a brand new school. This com- this quarter, first quarter of 2022, I am so excited. This is what I've been working on all day today. We are going to be presenting Elijah's School of the Prophetic. And we are asking the tough questions. We are going after, what do you do when you miss it, hearing from God? How do we handle that? How do we submit a word to the body of Christ rather than just shooting off? at the mouth rather than just posting something online for us. I know that from time to time we have at Vanguard, we have posted words online, but at least, and I'm talking minimum three sources have approved that before it has ever gone to the internet because we believe in accountability and we believe that the more, uh, let me just say it like this, even the more severe a word is, that's how much more you need to make sure it is submitted to those in the body of Christ who have accountability over you. So yeah. we are going in depth with the Elijah School of the Prophetic, especially because, uh, well, you have Jesus calling out John the Baptist as the greatest of the prophets. And I look in the scriptures I've read in, in, in each of the Gospels, John the Baptist never gave a prophetic word one time. The only thing that man did was say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he called out he called his nation to repentance he never gave a prophetic word and yet Jesus Christ called him the greatest of the prophets so we're really going in depth that's the first quarter second quarter we're going to be talking about uh, prayer and intercession with the third quarter we're going to talk about intensive training really digging deep into what we believe and why we believe it and why it matters in this generation Um, and then we will do another uh, another broadcast of the Judah School of Worship. And in all of these schools, they are interactive. People can ask questions. We have it set up where, where they can ask us questions and we answer those live right, right. there in the middle. Because if, if I'm just talking on a camera, that's not school. But if we right. can learn together, that's school. And that's our heart with this. So, And even in uh, 2023, first quarter of 2023, we'll be doing the Tabitha School of Compassion. We're really going to be exploring what human trafficking is and how the church can be an answer to that in this season. Um, A child is sold every two minutes in the United States of America. The United States of America is the number one consumer of human trafficking victims. Uh, And this has to stop. This isn't happening far away. This is happening in all of our major cities. I'm in Florida right now. Florida is number three. I know you're in Texas. Is that right? Yes. Texas is the number two consumer in the United States. And a lot of this has to do with the interstate systems in this nation. We have got to a lot of churches and ministries will not call out human trafficking because the pulpits have been Honestly, if I can just speak very frankly right now, uh, when pastors in the pulpits are dealing with pornography addictions, they are literally buying human trafficking content so they can't call it out because they know they're guilty of it. We have got to have a mighty outpouring of the conviction of the Holy Spirit until we are washed clean of this mess and we can set those captives free in the name of Jesus. So that's the the e-courses is one of the things we have felt the favor of God on the very most at Vanguard Ministries. We really believe that the Lord has given us this to be able to help. We've got so many wonderful pastor friends, ministry leaders across the nation that are saying we really want to be able to help our people, to help them grow, yeah. to help them walk in maturity. And we believe that the fivefold giftings of the of the church, there are gifts from Jesus to the church, I think that somewhere we all thought that meant we got to strut and have better coffee in the green room. But the truth is, it's our job to help the church rise up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're all about. We're very excited about this year and all the e-courses we're going to get to bring to the body.
2: Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. Now, and you know what, we need what you guys and when I say we, I mean, the body of Christ, we need what you guys bring to the kingdom. And so I want to just say thank you so much for your commitment to follow the Lord, and to, you know, serve him serve his people. So in in closing, uh, I just want to ask, how do people sign up for the course? That's the first thing. And then I'd like you to just just pray and minister.
1: Absolutely. I would love to. There's two, there's two ways that you can do that. If you visit the website, vanguardministries.tv, if you'll look, there's a tab right there and it shows the school. You can either sign up for the school as an individual thing if you only want to do that one time. But if you say, Lydia, I want to get in on all of the schools. I don't want to miss a thing. We have a partnership, frontline partnership. Uh, is is a, is one of the ways that this ministry can sustain itself and produce these e courses. And if you become a frontline school partner, that's fifty dollars a month. So that equals ten Starbucks coffees in a month. Just in case anybody was wondering how that works, if you skip uh, Starbucks ten times, you can become a frontline school partner, and that will give you access online to every single school that we ever do. You will not miss a thing. Even churches can do that by becoming a frontline church partner. Uh, when your church becomes a front Frontline church partner, you're able to open up your church and bring your your people into your sanctuary and broadcast right there. And we've had a lot of churches do that and call us back and say, Man, God has been doing amazing. The worship school, we've had people say, Oh my goodness, the whole atmosphere of our church has changed. Our team is seeking God that never sought God before. And hey, we praise God for that. That's what we wanted to be able to do. We feel like that's a mandate on our lives to help the church. So it's a joy to get to serve in this way. So those are the ways that. you can do that. You can find all of that on the website. And I thank you for allowing us, Apostle Glenn, to even shout that out right there. That's amazing.
2: Yeah, but absolutely. I, yeah, I well, would hey, love to we, pray for we need it. <laughs> Hey, the body of Christ needs this. And uh, awesome. No, I, I really would like to uh, connect people to this. So thank awesome. So, so, Hey, would you just look into the camera, Lydia, and just yeah. speak what you feel the Holy Spirit and just kind of minister to people? I would love to. It would be an thank honor. You.
1: I want to thank everybody that's still watching. I know that I know that this has been uh, not a short broadcast, but thank you so much for tuning in wherever you're watching from. I want to pray for you that the same God that met me in the altars of the Brownsville revival in March of 1996 will encounter you right where you are right now. I can tell you this. I promise you on the authority of the word of God. He has not changed. In the book of Malachi, he said, I am the Lord. I change not in Hebrews 13 verse eight. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want to believe with you right now that the Lord is going to touch you right where you are. Just lift your hands and receive it right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are watching, no matter where they're watching from, whatever nation they're watching from. And whenever they're watching this broadcast, I speak over them right now in the name of Jesus, that Lord, you would overtake them by your precious Holy Spirit. God, let the river of your presence flow to where they are right now and absolutely overflow their lives. God, in Jesus' name, I pray for a fresh baptism of the the Holy Spirit for those watching right now in Jesus' name, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit to overtake every life that is watching right now. And I speak to every limitation that the enemy's tried to place on you in the last season. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I speak to sicknesses, diseases. I speak to cancer. I curse every cell of cancer. I command it to shrivel up and die in the name of Jesus. I command chronic pain to lose your life in Jesus' name. I speak to every sickness and disease it has to go right now because of the power of the in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over every person that's watching. I bind depression in Jesus' name. I just saw that dark spirit try to come upon people. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You let God's people go. I speak life. I speak wholeness. I commend anxiety to go now in the name of Jesus. I speak peace over your spirit. I speak joy to resound in your home. I speak life over your family. I speak that everything the enemy's tried to steal from your life, your son, your daughters your resources your friends your family I speak that everything the devil's tried to steal from your life that he would have to cough it back up in Jesus name because there is a recompense and God right now I thank you that you are causing the remnant to rise up in the nations of the world and in the United States God we speak it we declare it we prophesy it in Jesus name that the remnant is rising up into the fullness of what you have called us to be I thank you Lord for what you're doing across the nations of the world tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
2: Wow. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, well, you. Hey, Lydia, honestly, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And uh, bless you. We're going to get this program pushed out so a lot of people can hear it, watch it. It'll be a podcast video as well because it was, uh, it was powerful. Thank you for sharing your heart. And we really look forward to, uh, Hey, we're going to do this again sometime. Let's
1: do it. It's been a joy. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having us tonight.
2: Absolutely. Well, if you would just hang on there in the, in the uh, virtual green room for a minute, and I'm just going to close out the program. Thank you so much. So bless you guys. Thank you so much for being part of the Kingdom Community podcast tonight. My name is Glenn Blakeney, and uh, this was a powerful interview with uh, Lydia Merrill of Vanguard Ministries, as was mentioned. You can check out our website. But just in closing, I just want to mention to you that uh, we are honored for you guys to be um, just part of the Kingdom Community. If you're not already connected, would you just check out the website, Kingdom Community? Dot global, hey, we're kingdom, we're community, and we are much better together. We have training, equipping, opportunities. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff, stuff in the in the marketplace, training and the prophetic and the apostolic, hearing the voice of God, healing, deliverance. Right now we're running our Soteria school. And uh, the Soteria School, you can go to awakenations.org forward slash Soteria and sign up for either the online or in-person school. We're coming to Florida, Southwest Florida in February. And we'll be hosting the Soteria School on February the 5th in Southwest Florida. It's an all-day school, healing, deliverance, and so on. And uh, you can sign up to be part of that as well. So we look forward to seeing you guys there or online for the sotoria school we uh, have our sessions on zoom every two weeks next session is coming up next week we're going to be talking about deliverance you're part of our kingdom community global leadership team we've got different facilitators and teachers and trainers all five-fold ministers that are teaching this course and it's going to be powerful we'd love for you to be part of that bless you guys thank you so much hey share like, leave a review, rate. I mean, do all the stuff. Subscribe, help us get the word out. Bless you guys. We'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. So other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast. You coming to bed, hon?
2: Yep, honey. I'll be right there. Just gotta turn out the light.
0: Ow! Ow!
2: Ow. Ah.